Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. Carol. Hello, Holly. You know what this episode is? It is a very scary story episode. It is our special Halloween edition. Well, it's not really a Halloween. It's not about Halloween, but it is for Halloween. It is our scary story episode for Halloween. Halloween. I'm so excited. I am too. Because neither of us know what the other one's doing? Yeah. We left it open-ended. We said, just find the scariest stories you can find so that everyone gets freaked out. And Oh, I we... didn't do that, Holly. I didn't oh. find the scariest <laughs> story. I found a, a very dark and disturbing story. But this will be airing the last episode before Halloween hits. So that's why we wanted to make it a special scary episode. I can't wait. Are you going first today? I'm going to go first. Um, yes. Yes, I am. Okay, Carol, um, have you ever heard the story of the, and I hope I'm saying this correctly, Conjolier House? No. Okay. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) I like it already. Oh, good, good. Okay. (laughs) It's a house that was built in the 1860s by a wealthy businessman who made his money after the bloodiest battle in American history, the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Charles Congelier and his lovely bride, Lydia, chose the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area to build their new home. Soon after the house was complete, Charles, Lydia, and their maid, Essie, moved in. All was going swimmingly at 1129 Ridge Avenue. Did you say swimmingly? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, swimmingly. Um, With the three of them living in bliss without a care in the world until one day. Lydia came home to find that her beloved husband was in flagrante delicto with her beloved maid, Essie. What? <laughs> Is that foreign language for it's a la- twisting It's Latin together? for um, the horizontal mambo. <laughs> Do you know what that means? <laughs> they were having an affair. What'd you say? It was the Cunnilingus house? <laughs> Very close to that, yeah. <laughs> they were doing all sorts of fun stuff together. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So she discovers their affair. But instead of screaming at them and threatening to call her lawyer, Lydia chose another path. She went down calmly to the kitchen and retrieved no. a knife and a meat cleaver and returned to the bedroom. No one quite knows what happened after she re-entered the room. The only thing they do know is that many days later, after no one had heard anything from the Collingers for some time, friends went to check on them. What they found was horrific. Lydia was slowly rocking back and forth in her rocking chair, humming lullabies and stroking the hair of her maid, Essie. However, Essie's head was no longer (gasps) attached to her body. (laughs) It lay decapitated on Lydia's lap. Gross. Thus begins the horrific and terrifying legend of the Collinger House and my horror theme for this episode, Decapitation. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you, Holly. You're welcome. If it didn't have gore in it, it wouldn't be Halloween. I was like, what is scary? What is the what is one of the worst ways to die? And it turns out decapitation is one of the worst ways to go. I think so. <laughs> so you're welcome, Carol, first of all. all and right. second of all, here's the rest of my story. After the gruesome deaths of Charles and Essie, and after Lydia was surely whisked away to an insane asylum, the house sat empty for at least two decades. And by my math, that's 20 years. Good job. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, the home was bought by a railroad company in 1892. The railroad company converted the home into apartments to house their employees. However, after many of the railroad workers moved in, they said that they could hear strange sounds and had an eerie feeling being in the home. They eventually refused to live in the house and the railroad put it back on the market. So then in 1900, a doctor named Adolf Brunrichter, 
I think what? They, yeah, I know. I, so his name is Adolf Brunrichter, B-R-U-N-R-I-C-H-T-E-R, mm-hmm. Brunrichter. Um, he bought the house and he was kind of a strange guy. Um, you know, once he bought the house and moved in, he really didn't socialize with anybody in town. So everybody's like, oh, well, I guess he just wants to be left alone. So they didn't really bother him much. Until one night on August 12th, 1901, the neighbors heard the screams of a woman coming from inside the house. Disturbed by the sound, the neighbors called the police, and the police arrived and broke down the door. Inside was a scene straight out of a horror movie. They discovered the body of a woman, but she had no head. (gasps) What? Yeah. They searched the home for Dr. Brunrichter, but they were unable to find him. But they did find five heads belonging to five more women no yes they did they were uh, 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 this is this is already insane pretty dark we're already starting down the insanity (laughs) we're starting down the rabbit hole trying to find our way out of it (laughs) it's hard Um, to do without a head holly it is absolutely they were able to piece together that dr brunrichter had been experimenting on the heads to see how long he could keep them alive after they had been separated from their bodies. He had made detailed notes about his experiments in his notebooks, which is how they were able to figure out what he had been doing. That is so messed up. Dr. Brunrichter disappeared and never stood trial for his crimes. However, in 1927, police arrested a man in New York who claimed to be Dr. Brunrichter. He was drunk when they found him, and he told them about his experiments, as well as the location of where more bodies could be found. Hmm. However, police were unable to locate any additional bodies where he indicated and determined that the man was lying and released him from custody. He disappeared into the night and he never resurfaced. That is really bizarre. See, do you think it was him? Uh, Well, probably. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's say it's him. Okay. So he's out there. (laughs) Well, he's probably dead by now. He was out there. Yeah, he was out there at one point. Of course, after the Brumrector murders and the Collinger murders and the rumors of paranormal activity, the house became very famous. It soon started to attract the likes of people like Thomas Edison, who was believed to have traveled there in the 1920s while he was doing research on creating a spirit box that he could use to talk to the dead. It was also visited by a medium named Julia Murray. Murray said she could sense an evil spirit in the home that had the ability to kill people. She even said the spirit had the power to travel outside the home. So she's determining that the house itself is haunted. That's interesting because it could be the ghost that's doing the murdering. Maybe. Or is the ghost possessing the people doing the murdering? Well, that's kind of what I meant. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Influencing. Letting them do the heavy lifting while he just hangs out in their brain space. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, the house was purchased again by the Equitable Gas Company. And again, the home was used to house their employees. And again, the employees complained of hearing voices and not feeling very good inside the home. Eventually, two of the employees wound up dead in the basement. They had been murdered, but no one to this day knows who or why or what killed them. After that, the gas company employees noped out of the situation and left the house for good. (laughs) Though the house was deserted again, the gas company itself was still functioning in the neighborhood. However, on November 14th, 1927, the gas company's workers were trying to repair a leak on top of a natural gas storage tank. Unfortunately, the tank exploded. Oh, I knew you were going to go there. Not only did the tank go hurtling into the air, but so did several of the workers' body parts. It kicked off a domino effect with more tanks exploding all over town. The entire neighborhood went up in flames, including the house located at 1129 Ridge Avenue. Though the people of Pittsburgh were devastated by the destruction and loss of life caused by these explosions, they were not even remotely sad that the evil haunted house was gone. They believed the house was blown back to hell where it belonged. Even though the house is gone, the area where it stood is still said to be saturated with paranormal activity. Mm. It is believed that the spirits of many people who had been murdered there still haunt the highway, probably looking for their heads. So no one built another house on top of that? I guess not smart move i guess not going back to dr brumrichter's experiments modern science has shown that decapitated heads do survive decapitation for a short amount of time after separation from the body yeah like chickens all the time run around without their heads right you know with their heads cut off yes they do 
After a decapitation is complete, they have found that heads can continue to blink, change expressions, and even try to talk for maybe even up to four seconds. A oh. Dutch experiment in 2011 conducted on mice showed that electrical activity continues in severed brains for nearly as long as four seconds. It could even be longer for other mammals. In another study, scientists found that in decapitated rats, consciousness remained for about 3.7 seconds with a final, quote, wave of death, quote, uh, unquote, coming about 17 seconds later, in which many scientists believe the brain dies. However, other scientists have pushed back on this theory as they say that given the right conditions, meaning if the brain cells are reconnected to oxygen and glucose, then the brain can continue to survive. In fact, they have been able to, con to keep human brain cells alive in a lab for weeks after the person has died. And brains can come back online for as long as 15 minutes after losing access to oxygen. How, how much do you want to bet there's some laboratory out there where some freak mm -hmm. has decapitated heads yeah. all uh, connected on oxygen up, and glucose? And then the eyes are like moving around. And they're all singing <laughs> together. Right. Probably. So it makes you wonder if Dr. Bernrichter was able to find out this for himself when conducting his experiments on those poor unfortunate women found in his house. It also makes you want to know if that Walt Disney theory is correct, the one where his brain mm -hmm. is actually buried under Disneyland controlling the whole park. I bet it is. Yeah, I bet it is, too. Yeah, because why not? You have this kind of money. You're like, I want to live forever in Disneyland. Just put me under there. I'll tell you guys what to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why it's the happiest place on Earth. And, and he's loving it because <laughs> he's still in control. That's right. In a more current study, scientists were able to keep decapitated pig brains alive for up to 36 hours after death, Whoa. which is a huge breakthrough in studying how they can not only keep a human brain alive, but also how to keep consciousness alive. MIT's Antonio Rigaldo stated in Technology Review, quote, Seston told the NIH it is conceivable that the brains could be kept alive indefinitely and that steps could be attempted to restore awareness. He said his team had elected not to attempt either because, quote, this is uncharted territory, unquote. They said that the pig brains were not aware of anything during their experiments, but it is opening the door to possibly performing a full brain transplant someday. Yeah, I bet the pigs were aware of what was going on. <laughs> I bet you they know, were too. pigs, they say pigs are one of the most intelligent animals really and when they get lined up for slaughter they all have heart attacks because they know what's happening to the really? pigs in front of them oh that's terrible i'm sorry that's the that's the non-meat eater and me yeah. coming out oh. but um yeah but i think they probably would be aware but this this reminds me of like phantom injuries where people will be injured or like you know they'll have like their leg cut off mm-hmm but it's the phantom limbs and they'll still feel that their leg is there. So if their brain is cut off, you'll still feel your brain tickling around. You'll still, <laughs> you'll, you won't know. You'll still think you're, it's attached. Like, I think there's that disconnect because if it's still functioning, yeah. um, we'll have to try it. Decapitate something. Someday. Hey, creepy people. This is P&W Haunts and Homicides. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Cassie. Together, we explore stories of the paranormal and true crime throughout the Pacific Northwest. We're just two normal-ish friends who wanted more creepy local stories. Our episodes start with a tarot reading to help us gain some insight on each topic as we share the facts of the case and our interpretations. Come join us. We've got plenty of wine, laughs, and stories to share. You can find our episodes featuring true stories from infamous as well as lesser-known true crime cases like the murders in Tunnel 13 and Forest Park. As well as our spooky stories from Pike Place in the Oregon Vortex on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and many more. For all of you that are listening, if you have any true crime or paranormal stories that you want us to share... Maybe with the whole Pacific Northwest. They don't have to be from the Pacific Northwest if you would like to share. Email us at pnwhauntsandhomicides at gmail.com. It's all spelled out, no special characters. Last but certainly not least, head over to Patreon to support the show and we can provide even more creepy content. Have, have a, a creepy, creepy ass, ass day! day. that's my story 
that's the heat I brought for our scariest story because I thought, huh, just imagining that you've been decapitated and that you're still consciously aware of what's going on and you're looking around and that sort of shock, you are got to be in some level of shock. You don't have a body anymore and you only have a couple of seconds left to live. And yeah, anyway, I just think that's scary. Well, I think it's very scary and I'm glad you went first because to have to go to sleep thinking about decapitation <laughs> I, I, I think about it before i go to sleep most nights oh yeah okay <laughs> that's something new <laughs> well thank you holly my story today um mine's gonna be a bit longer i um decided to do a classic vampire story oh. in honor of halloween yay um and this was probably one of the very first published vampire stories. Oh, I love it. I love in, it. I love it. Yeah. In 1826, in the publication of Legends of Terror and Tales of the Wonderful and Wild, the full title listed was Wake Not the Dead or The Bride of the Grave, a German romance. I love how they say it's a romance. <laughs> <laughs> Vampires tend to go very much hand in hand with romance. It, it does. Like. It yeah. does. And And some people thought that was more of a modern twist, but we, huh. have, we have proof now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was thought for many years the author was Johann Tieck, but in recent years it's been discovered that Ernst Rawpock, a university professor and dramatist, was the true author, and he wrote it in 1822. Okay. The German title was officially translated to say, Let the Dead Rest. Okay. So many different titles for this yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. So today you're going to hear my much, much shorter version of a retelling of this 50-page story without all the old English words and style. So you translated it from old English? I didn't translate it. Uh, well, yeah, because it was translated already. Oh, and was. then okay. I'm updating it to modern language. Oh, okay, cool. And shortening it quite a bit. And you're going to tell it in German? Oh, God, no. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> No, I'm not that much of an overachiever. <laughs> Our main character is Walter. Walter. A very rich and powerful lord in Burgundy who falls madly in love at an early age to a young lady named Brunhilda. Brunhilda. Don't you love that name? That's a great name. He describes her as a beauty with long flowing black hair as a raven, eyes that shine like beams which ignite the fire of joy and love in young men, namely himself. Brunhilde also was smitten with Walter, so she soon became his wife, and they had a very passionate marriage. Both were equally devoted to each other. However, Brunhilde dies soon after, mm. and the story doesn't explain how. Hmm. But Walter becomes a widow, overcome with grief to the point of being hysterical. However, with time, he chooses for himself another woman to marry, who was also very beautiful. Her name was Swanhilda. And Weird. She, yeah. <laughs> they, all, they all end in Hilda, apparently, uh, over there. <laughs> I guess. Her name was Swan Hilda, and she looked very different from his first wife. She was described as pale, with golden long hair, shining as bright as the morning, and had nice warm eyes and a well-proportioned body. At least that's how I interpreted the Old English. Yes. Walter was happy with her, but it was a different kind of happiness. Not the fire of passion, but a comfortable existence with a best friend. Swanhilda was a nice lady, and she took great pride in making the palace comfortable and in order. She was also a big people pleaser, so she always tried to study what made Walter happy, and she tried to do things to please him. Walter and Swanhilda soon had two children, a boy and a girl who were good kids, and brought lots of love and laughter and joy to the home. But Walter never forgot his first love, and he became discontent with his marriage. Swanhilda noticed and doubled her efforts to rekindle his affection, but soon it was apparent that it was just the kids who provided the sole reason for happiness in their marriage. Hmm. Walter also developed an annoying habit of sneaking out at night. He was visiting the gravesite of his former wife, Brunhilda. Hmm. He couldn't but help to compare her with his current wife. And while sitting by her grave, would think of his younger days and mumble his unhappiness, saying out loud, Are you going to sleep forever? Well, one particular night, a sorcerer was walking through the field of grave sites looking for herbs that could be used in mystical spells. 
These plants, which provide powerful and supernatural abilities, are hard to find. They only grow around earth fertilized with decaying bodies. How <laughs> gross is that? Wow. Yeah. The sorcerer saw the Walter. mushrooms? Yeah, probably. <laughs> the sorcerer saw Walter and asked him why he was grieving. Because according to the date on the tombstone, whoever she was is now a hideous mass of mortality. Basically worm food. Right. Walter agreed, but insists he is still grieving over the love they had and their passion. The sorcerer continues saying, well, but by your constant wailing, will she wake up and then be upset at you for disturbing her deep rest she's had for years? <laughs> Walter tells him to shut up. He obviously doesn't know anything about true love. Hmm. But the old man continued, can you say that even if she were to crawl out of the grave, you would look at her with the same passion? She obviously is not going to look the same, and she probably will smell like death. Walter argues, his love and passion would not be changed. The sorcerer, amazed, said, look, you're obviously deluding yourself. You're talking like a drunk man. I shouldn't stay here and tempt you any further with the idea of restoring life to your dead wife. Farewell. Walter, hearing that the sorcerer could possibly do this impossible deed, begged him to return Brunhilde back to life and promised him that he wouldn't regret it because he will see what a blessing this would be for them. The sorcerer did admit he could bring her back, but his power would only build a bridge and could not completely restore her to exactly who she was before she died. Uh oh, I think you know where this is going. Do. And since he thought Walter was out of his mind and not thinking straight, he told Walter to go home. Go home, Walter. Sleep on it and think about what you really want. Return back here tomorrow at midnight. I will be here, the sorcerer said, but I have to warn you. Wake, not the dead. The next day, Walter thought about Brunhilde and decided he had no doubts about having her back. And so at midnight, he made sure to be back at the grave to meet the sorcerer, who was already there calling out, Hey, have you reconsidered this? Walter definitely had not changed his mind, so the sorcerer said, Well then, go home and meet me again tomorrow at the same hour. But... I have to give you a friendly warning. Wake, not the dead. This annoyed Walter, but the sorcerer had already disappeared, so he went back home and returned the next evening at midnight. The sorcerer asked him again, Did you think about this decision and change your mind? No, Walter said, and why would I? I know this would bring me happiness, and you made me believe you could do this. But now you're making fun of me with this cruel joke. If you don't raise her back from the dead, I'm going to beat your ugly face right here. Yeah, take that. Get it oh, on. Go get it Walter. on. Fight, 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 fight. 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 Okay, so <laughs> anyway, the sorcerer who seemed unalarmed by the threat calmly said, Once more, I warn you, wake not the dead. Just let her rest. But Walter cleverly said, I agree. I will let her rest on my warm bed. Ha ha. <laughs> Not in a cold grave, but in my embrace. That's warm. all men think about. Yes, warm with passion. <laughs> hmm. Okay, but I have to tell you, if we do this, Walter, you can't decide just to kick her out of your home if she terrifies you or disgusts you. She is forever with you, and there would be only one way to end it, and it would be through a horrible deed. But before he could finish what that deed was, Walter interrupted him and said, Well, duh, let's just get on with this. Don't question my love for her, wow. old man. Idiot. Yeah, Walter, I don't like Walter. No. I think you can tell why. Mm -hmm. So... He said, okay, stand back. Let me do my thing. The old man drew a circle around the grave and muttered words of a spell. A great storm appeared out of nowhere. Cool. Some sound effects here. <laughs> that sounds like Drano. <laughs> and sounds the, like the dentist office. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it sounds like. And the wind blew the tops of the trees and the owls beat their wings as if echoing a terrible omen. Cool. Yes, the stars in the sky would not shine as if they would not look at the unholy deed that the sorcerer was performing. 
the stone of the grave broke open, allowing the old man to finish the ritual by pouring in a scattering of herbs that stunk to high heaven, which allowed the lid of the casket to burst open as the moon appeared shining down. Bibbidi bobbidi boo! That too. <laughs> but he also continued pouring blood out from a human skull, saying, Drink, sleeper of this warm stream, so you can live again. Ew. Then he dumped another mysterious liquid on her. I think it looked yellow. No, <laughs> no I'm just joking. <laughs> and, and yelled out, Yes, your heart beats again with life, and your eyes are open with sight. So come out, come out of your grave. The sorcerer took Brunhilde by the hand and led her to Walter. The man then said he hoped they would never need his help, but if he ever did, during the full moon, they could meet him at the spot on the mountains where the three roads meet. <laughs> okay, that's pretty specific. That's very specific. <laughs> Any three roads. Yeah. Just guess at the top of the mountain where those three, three roads, roads meet. meet. You know where. Moon? You yeah. know where. I'll be there. I forget the name, but you know where. <laughs> Walter was transfixed. He recognized Brunhilde, but was stunned and frozen from the whole bizarre experience. Walter, she called out his name, and once he heard her voice, the spell of his stunned silence broke, and he asked Brunhilde, Are you an illusion or living? She said, Walter, I am alive, but quick, take me to your remote castle in the mountains. Walter looked around, but the sorcerer had already vanished, and instead, there was a black horse with crazy eyes. <laughs> crazy eyes. <laughs> Carol's like flapping her hands around. Crazy eyes. Yes. This horse with crazy eyes was all packed up with supplies for a trip up to his remote castle. Huh. Brunhilde jumped up on the horse and said, let's go, hurry. We have to get there before the sun rises. Didn't she look weird and gross? We're going to get to that. Okay. She claimed it was because her eyes were so weak from being in the dark grave all those years, and she needed time to adjust to the light. Brunhilde jumped up on the horse and said, let's go, hurry. We've got to get there before the sun rises. She claimed it was because her eyes were too weak from being in the dark grave all those years, and she needed time to adjust to the light. Makes sense. The castle was only inhabited by one caretaker, who under threats from Walter said he would keep it secret that they were together. <laughs> Nobody else knew she lived except that caretaker who provided their meals. Seven days they stayed in the dark castle Seven with days. only light from candles. Seven days, so Walter. Wait, are they Seven days. Are they hooking up? No, I'm getting to that. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I know. I'm like, where's the sex scene? Because like he's been waiting all this time. Yeah. But apparently this is not Twilight yet. Not no, yet. I guess there wasn't sex scenes in Twilight either. No, they preached abstinence, actually. If you can believe that. Yeah. Yeah. It was as if Walter was under a spell. He desired his wife, but at the same time shuddered whenever she approached him. Wonder she why. kind of stunk like the grave, <laughs> just like the sorcerer said. Every day Brunhilde's appearance became more vibrant, with the color returning to her skin and her voice becoming stronger. She was demanding and critical of him. Walter was surprised by her attitude because he always thought of her as cheerful, affectionate, and sweet. Now she didn't seem to care to talk about anything but topics relating to the invisible and the future world, sometimes speaking with prophetic nonsense he couldn't understand. Hmm. So she truly had a near-death experience. Yeah. She like saw it. the other side and came back and yeah. said, let me tell you what I've yeah, seen. Yeah, exactly. After another seven days, he could finally see her in the full light of day, and yet she refused to be intimate with him, saying... Did you bring a condom? No, that's not what she said. <laughs> she, <laughs> she said, not yet. You have to wait until the moon is full. I thought you were going to say, you have to wait in time in the mood. Yeah, oh, that too. Which will be in another hundred years. Another hundred years. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm attracted to the Dark Lord now. That's right. But when the night of the full moon came, she still refused him, saying, Look, I'm a purified person overcoming death. And you are still married to a mortal being who oh, lives in your right. home. That's right. That's right. Hey, what do you have a ring on your finger, dude? Hey, who is that other yeah. chick over there? Yeah. What's going on? Like, I'm not going to let you have your cake <laughs> and eat it, too, That's right. Mister. I'm calling you out. 
That's right. And she Taurus. said, look, this bitch sleeps in my room where I once reigned as a queen. Right. And with a quick kiss, she then vanished from his sight. <sighs> so Walter hurried back home and he had no further care or thought of kindness for his wife. He convinced Swanhilda that they had grown incompatible and he wanted to experience excitement and adventure again while she only wanted to do boring things like manage the household that held no interest for him. Poor Swanhilda. I know. That's terrible. I know. He, you're going to keep saying poor Swanhilda. No. <laughs> yeah. He presented her with formal papers of separation and said she should just go back home and live with her father. The sad thing about this arrangement is that Swan Hilda had to leave her two children behind to reside with her father. Bullshit. It was according to the custom of his nation that children remained with the father. Oh, my God. Can we all just hate Walter right now? Walter, you're an a-hole. And let's all say together, poor Swan Swan Hilda. Poor Swan Hilda. Poor Swanhilda. Go get your t-shirt that says poor Swanhilda. Yes. <laughs> but Brunhilda soon was introduced to the household staff as his new wife. And he claimed the whole reason he fell in love with her was because she looked so much like his former first wife. The story doesn't say if he called her a different name, mm. but it was clear that the household was not convinced or buying his story. And well, they were like, she's got cobwebs in her hair. Yeah. What's that about? Well, yeah, and they discovered a particular mark on her back that looked exactly mm. like the one Brunhilde had. So convenient. Yes. So gossip ran throughout the palace, and it was believed that she was indeed Brunhilde, called back to life by necromancy. Could you imagine how creepy it would be to be working in that castle, and like you knew the original Brunhilde, and then... Swan Hilda shows up and she's super cool and chill and you're like, oh, I love you, Swan. I love you too. And then Swan's gone and then this other chick shows up and you're like, oh, holy shit. That's Braun Hilda, Broom Hilda, back from the dead. And then she's going to come up and give you orders and you're probably standing there the whole time just staring at her out of fear like oh my god oh yeah it gets so bad it's like it's like the cat from pet cemetery after it comes back this story reminds me of pet cemetery yes that's cool so they also noticed she wore no jewelry of any kind no gold or silver or sparkling jewels the only thing she wore was a single strand of pearls around her neck she always avoided the sun and stayed inside with the curtains drawn makes sense her favorite time to socialize was at night Mm-hmm. Yep. And vampire. Yep. And there was a supernatural power attached to her that sent everyone into a state of dread. <laughs> she was a bitch. She was so harsh to everyone. She stared people down with her fierce eyes. Mm-hmm. Because so, she's scary as fuck. Yeah. So the staff started to quit. They were like, oh, hell no. I would have not first second I saw here. her back from the dead, I'd be like, you know what? Yep. Here's my two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go work <laughs> at the castle next door. <sighs> Even her personal attendants over time fled from her presence. Could you imagine having to like comb her hair? No. Knowing, oh, my God. Knowing where that head See, was. See, like a little rat running through her exactly. long braid or something. Ooh. And the children were completely helpless because she would hold them and use soothing words to entice them to sleep in her arms, at which time she would suck the blood from their veins. Oh my God. They would not die immediately, but over time the youths and the children would lose their vitality and their hair would turn gray and thin. Parents knew what was going on, but they could not prevent it from happening. And even though they sought potions and amulets for protection, Brunhilde was unaffected by them all. So a report was circulating around the village that pointed suspicion to these happenings. And children confessed that they were frequently lulled to sleep in Brunhilde's arms. Mm -hmm. Soon, very few staff were left and Walter didn't seem to notice or care. However, Brunhilde had run out of victims for her to drain the life from. Mm -hmm. And she became desperate with no other choice but to take the, from the veins of Walter at night when he was in a deep sleep. Yeah, I bet she did. She would breathe on him of a sweet violet scent and send him delicious dreams and deep sleep. Brunhilde soon realized that Walter's children would have to be her next victims since there was no one else left and she didn't want to completely kill Walter. 
you know, drain him dry completely. Right. Well, that's the reason she came back after all. That's right. So she started to pay them attention and invited them often to sit with her. Mm -hmm. The children had no fear of her and warmed to her affection. She would tell them wild stories and instruct them in new sports. But after a while, they grew less noisy and their interest in sports changed to more time inside. Mm -hmm. Eventually, their strength and all life was gone. Mm -hmm. Walter deeply grieved his children's death. He was strongly attached to them, and once they were gone, he realized how much he missed them. This pissed off Brunhilde. Because, you know, she suspected he was still attached to them because... He still had the desires for their mother, Swan Hilda. Well, but you never said that Broom Hilda like um get like put out. Like she never put out. So he probably does miss Swan Hilda, who was always like, Yeah, I'm totally into yeah, it. Yeah, I don't even know if they've, they've had, you know, their thing yet. Yeah. Like if that was going on. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it. It doesn't. Yeah. Or maybe the story was just too pure back then yeah, to get into was. the details. Yeah. But Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts, too. Hmm. This is what she said. She said, Walter, you shouldn't be pining over your kids because they're going to grow up, right? Mm -hmm. And they're not going to be around anyway. But I'm always going to be here. So stop grieving after them. Mm -hmm. So she forbade him from visiting her. She was that upset. Wow. But he noticed he was soon becoming aged and withered. His hair (laughs) was turning more and more gray. Right. And his strength and passion declined. Yep. I bet. Yeah. One day, Walter... Welcome to old age, Walter. Yeah. Come on, Walter. (laughs) Walter was relaxing in the woods by himself under the shade of an oak tree when he saw a strange bird fly overhead and drop a rose-colored root at his feet. Hmm. He was quite the expert at recognizing plants, but he couldn't remember having seen this one. And due to its pleasant, fruity scent, decided to take a bite. Well, the plant was awful tasting. He was so disappointed, he threw it away in anger. However, the plant had a miraculous quality and would protect him against the violet, seducing perfume of Brunhilde's breath. (laughs) When Walter returned home and went to bed that evening, she breathed upon him as he drifted off to sleep. (laughs) Dreaming sweetly but under no spell, he suddenly felt a very sharp pain. Mm -mm. And when he opened his eyes, he saw in shadow form his beloved Brunhilde bent over him, drawing out blood with fangs deep in his chest. Uh Uh-oh. He screamed and startled her so that blood squirted and splattered across her mouth. Ooh. Yeah, I kind of added all that. Walter (laughs) cried out, Monster, you, is this how you love me? Oh, yes, this is how the dead love, with a cold tone, she responded. Creature of blood, you vampire. This delusion of you has now ended, and you are the evil fiend who destroyed my children. But Brunhilde got up, wiped her mouth, and said, Well, okay, stop. Hang on here, buddy. Back the hell (laughs) off. It isn't me who killed them, but you. Yeah. I didn't ask to be brought back from the dead. Yeah. And I have to drink blood in order to stay beautiful for you. Right. So I could satisfy your carnal desires. Uh-huh. You, dearest Walter, are the murderer. Yeah. She's kind of right. She kind of is. Walter, terrified by the truth of her words, ran away to the old castle in the remote mountains where he could hide from Brunhilde. But when he woke up the next day, there she was with him, Mm -hmm. lying beside him in his bed. They can't be separated. Nope. It didn't matter where he tried to sleep. Every morning, she was there with him. Mm. Walter had no choice but to try and escape out into the wilderness. He was crying for help, but there was a crazy storm, and in despair, pulling out his hair and crying like a madman, he looks up into the sky and realized, it's a full moon. And the words came back of the sorcerer telling him, yes, where to meet the three roads at the top of the mountain. That's right. If he ever needed help. So Walter found the sorcerer sitting at the three roads at the top of the mountain. Yes. On a big stone as if it were a sunny day and not in the middle of a storm. Walter cried out to him, save me, please rescue me from this monster that creates death all around her. Oh, yes, Walter, I'm, I'm really familiar with all that you've gone through, but I did try and warn you. Yeah, Walter. My advice was good. What did I say to you? Wake 
not the dead. I know, I know, I'm a fool not to listen, but tell me, old man, what can I do to end this? Well, you'll need to stab her with this here silver dagger I'm giving to you on this night of a new moon. At the same time, you will need to renounce her memory forever and swear always never to think of her intentionally. And if somehow you do, you will have to repeat the curse. It's important that you must not ever forget to do this. Well, that is an awful thing I have to do. But what is more horrible than Brunhilda? Nothing. Mm. I'll do it. Just give me the dagger. Wait, wait. You need to hold on. You have to do this when there's the new moon. But Walter, being desperate, cries, what? Why do I have to wait? I'm going to be dead by then or be driven to madness. But the old man reassured him. No, you won't. I'll keep you hidden in a cavern and my power will protect you for 14 days. You'll also have food provided, but you cannot leave the cave. So it's like a domestic violence situation, but they had it back in those (laughs) days. He was a social service uh, guy. He's like, you know what? A counselor. And I'm going to get you housing and food and shelter and you're going to be fine. We're going to make sure he can't find you on your socials. Um, or track your cell phone. We're going to change your name. Yeah, you're going to be and, fine. Yeah, you can't leave it for 14 days. So be careful that Brunhilda doesn't tempt you out of it. Don't text her. Don't call her. Don't drive by her house on your bicycle. That's don't right. ask to meet for coffee so you can work things out. And what he should have said is plug your ears. Because after he said farewell and drew a circle around the cave, he told him he'd come back after the 14 days was over. Well, every night... Walter heard Brunhilde's voice calling out to him, searching for him. Walter, my beloved, why are you avoiding me? Do you seek to murder me? You're mine, remember, here and forever, forever, for all eternity, blah, 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 every single night. So romantic. Torturing him with her pleading voice. (laughs) It went on and on and on. Baby, I'm sorry. I love you. Come back. I'll never do it again. I'll let you do me from behind. (laughs) (laughs) So finally, after the 14 days passed... The sorcerer returned with the black horse and the crazy eyes. They both rode back to the castle, and there they found Brunhilde asleep in a reclining position on the couch. Well, she looked so peaceful, innocent, and beautiful. And her lazy boy. Yes. (laughs) Walter became flustered and could not take the dagger to kill her. Walter, you pussy. What are you doing, Walter, said the sorcerer. You must strike her now. And even if you delay an hour, the sun will come up and she will be back sucking your blood. Well, this put Walter over the edge, so he turned away so he couldn't see her face and thrust the dagger deep into her chest, saying, I curse you forever. But before Brunhilde died, her eyes flew open, and she also cursed him back, (gasps) saying, You too, Walter. You are doomed to eternal suffering. (gasps) Da, da, da. Oh, shit, girl. Yeah. So the sorcerer is like, Walter, just ignore her. Continue. Put your hand on her body and swear this oath. So Walter obeys and says, Never will I think of you again with love. Never will I recall you to my mind intentionally. And should you pop into my mind accidentally, I will immediately catch my mistake and say, you, Brunhilde vampire, be cursed. (laughs) (laughs) No whammies, no whammies, no whammies. No whammies. Whack-a-mole, (laughs) whack-a-mole, whack-a-mole. Yep, that's the oath. Good job, Walter. You've done everything. Now bury her back into the ground and remember everything I told you because if you forget it, but even once, she will return and everything you've done will be lost. Mm. Goodbye. Goodbye. And then he left. Well, Walter immediately buried Brunhilde. And even though her image constantly tormented him, he didn't forget to repeat the curse. His existence was pure hell. Because he was constantly having to put her out of his mind and was terrified he would forget the line to curse her. I curse you forever, he would say, repeating it often. But every day he was tormented to try and forget her, repeating it as her image would not go away. He sat in his castle all alone, muttering this curse all day long, as no servants would be persuaded to stay, as if he was just as scary and unholy. Hmm. Finally, he had a great idea. To search for his former wife, 
Swan Hilda. Oh, God. Let's hope she's moved on with some <laughs> yes. robust, strong, handsome well, man. He's so arrogant, Walter. He knew how much she loved him. Mm. So he searched and found her at her father's home and said he was foolish for divorcing her and would she ever have him back. Swan Hilda responded, agreeing he was a fool. And it had caused her so much sorrow. And yes, she's been angry and full of resentment. But after her rant, she inquired about her children. Uh-oh. Walter then had to tell her had to confess the awful, awful, oh, yeah. awful about truth those kids <laughs> that they were both dead. Well, what do you think Swan Hilda did? She said, oh, good. I didn't like them anyway. Let's no. get back together. <laughs> no, I, that, that would have been if you had written the story for sure. Well, then there is no reconciling or future for us. And she turned him away. Oh, good for her. Yes. Losing all hope, Walter made his long journey back home, riding through a forest in the neighborhood of his castle, thinking on his pitiful, lonely life. But then he heard a sudden sound of a horn in the distance. (laughs) Nice. Thank you. And saw appear before him a beautiful female dressed all in black and sitting on a black horse with crazy eyes. Oh no, it's a trap. Don't fall for it, Walter. Yes, she had a raven perched on her hand and was followed by a merry group of attendants. Uh Uh-huh. They exchanged greetings and realized they were heading down the same road. What a coincidence. I know. When she found out Walter's castle was nearby, she requested he might host her and her companions for the night. She dropped her cloak to the ground. He, she was stark naked and he was like, you can stay in my castle. It's totally fine. You know, you know how that, how that is. <laughs> he definitely agreed she could stay the night because not only was her journey long, but she was charming and beautiful. Renewed with the she excitement. She sounds like me. Yeah. Renewed with excitement, he presented a big feast and lots of songs to entertain his guests. What I want to know is wh- where did he get the staff to produce all this? Because I don't know. Uh, the, you know, there's a lot of holes in this story <laughs> I found, and I just kind of had to keep plugging it. But it's clearly true. So it, it yeah. clearly is a true yeah. story. Yeah. So for three days, they celebrated, and Walter forgot his sorrows. So he didn't want to have his companion leave, knowing it would be even more desolate in the castle after they all left. He encouraged her to stay, and the days continued. Seven days passed. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. then another seven days uh-huh. to where the lady started taking on the duties of leading the household. Of course she did. It only takes two weeks. It only does before <laughs> she's got it all down. And she started regulating the daily tasks. Well, Walter's grief disappeared altogether. Well, thank God I found myself finally somebody to be my maid. Some girl's finally thank interested in God. me still alive and not a vampire and is sexy hot in bed yeah. and not like my boring dumb wife or yeah. my stupid ex-wife that Swan came Hilda. back from the dead. Oh, Brunhilde. Both of them. Both of them were just awful. So he's moving yeah. on to bigger and better things. He totally is. And his grief disappeared altogether. Yeah. Eventually, he felt so comfortable with his new companion that he confided and relayed to her all of his troubled past <laughs> and everything that happened with him and Brunhilde. Mm-mm. Well, the lady listening was very sympathetic and said he would not repeat the error. And surely there were opportunities for him to have a new family again. Mm-hmm. He also declared she reminded him of his other wife and asked if she would marry him. Within seven days, Holly, <laughs> they celebrated a magnificent wedding, and the celebration was beyond any joy he had ever known. But once he took his bride to the marriage bed, he had barely started embracing her when she transformed herself into a monstrous serpent, crushing him to death by entwining him in her folds. Sounds like marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Flames then flared up all around them, and within just a few minutes, the whole castle was engulfed in smoke and flames. As the castle walls fell down in a horrible crash, a voice rang out saying, Wake, not Not the the dead. dead. 
That's my story. That's a great story. Yay. I love it. One of the very first vampire stories ever published. That's amazing. That's before Bram Stoker, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And if you try and read the 50-page story, it can go on quite a bit. Yeah. And there's words in there I don't even know the meaning of. Yeah. So nice I, job condensing I tried it down. to get as much yeah. packed into this as possible yeah, for you. Yeah. So. That was great. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Uh, we have that's it that's right? it for this episode yep um are we gonna tell our peeps that we're not gonna be ending the season yeah that's right we're gonna continue through november december last year yeah. we ended at halloween and we decided that was a bad idea so we're gonna keep going now through that's right. the end of the year because you're holly and i'm carol and we realized we're christmas names <laughs> we have to represent halloween at christmas so we're gonna keep going yes that's right um and we you know how can we cut out when there's caroling to be sung? oh my god and holly's, holly's everywhere gonna, holly's gonna be everywhere i know it's gonna be so festive all right so great. but first Halloween. First Halloween. <laughs> Halloween's always first in my book. Yes. And always <laughs> lasts much longer than that's we right. Mind. That's right. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Let <clears throat> me say that again. Actually, I'm gonna drink some water. <clears throat> it's a good time for me to <clears throat> clear my throat <laughs> from my checks mix. God dang it, why did you give me this Chex Mix right before our episode? Walter, she called out his name. No, I say, where am I? Where am I? Okay. Where the three roads meet. Three roads meet. Where the three roads... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Josh, this is going to be a long episode. You must strike her now, and even if you even delay... Even if you, even if you, even if you delay... No, (laughs) Jesus. Carol's lost it for good. Never will I recall accidentally in, in, in my mind, and I will never think of you into my mind. Okay, I got to stop this. <clears throat> so, <laughs> sorry, the checks mix. The checks mix. You leave my checks mix out of this. Terror tip. Don't try and tell scary <laughs> stories and eat checks mix right before. We should post the uh, recipe for we people. We really have to. It's so, so good. <laughs> 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 oh shit! Oh, I thought man. that was the recorder for I a know, second. I, I was like, Ooh, everything shit. got knocked off the table. I was like, oh my god, it's happening! Yeah, and the dead are pissed. Everything's collapsing around yeah. us in the forest. Our, our outlet plug thing fell off yeah. the table right when we finished our right little... when we said, "Wake not the dead." Wake not the dead. As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts, and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com, and you may hear it on a future episode.